Hey everyone, welcome to Dialogos, a Harker Philosophy Club podcast. I'm Akshay. I'm Sophia. I'm Quentin. And this is our first episode. We'll be talking about the conflicts between liberty and security in a pretty applicable scenario, uh, talking about some of the controversies that have happened through proposals about banning plastic and whether or not that is covered under the will of like the Harker student body. If you find anything in this podcast interesting, or if you want to learn more, feel free to email us at harkerphilosophyclub at gmail.com to get in on our meetings and learn more about philosophy in general. Just a quick disclaimer, we will be having a kind of debate-like format in this podcast. It doesn't reflect, it may or may not reflect our actual opinions on this issue. We are just doing this for the purpose of learning and education, so you guys can all get a better understanding of the sides and the rationale from them. So, here we have Quentin. Thank you. Uh, So, a couple of you, or hopefully all of you, will remember just a little while back, there was a little bit of a a throwdown, a little bit of a controversy between the Harker Student Government and Green Team, um, particularly between... I want to say the new 10th grade president, INF. Is that correct? I don't know. It's, yeah. He was running for president for ASB. Yeah, whatever. The, the basic gist of it was that the Green team thought that they should be able to kind of, I hate to say circumvent, but uh, impose certain policies kind of without the authority of student government. And student government uh, disagreed with them. And so that kind of ties into a broader political, historical, social debate about the necessities of. Um, strong government or the lack of necessity, uh, particularly in the context of climate change related things. Yes, that is perfect intro. Okay, so now let's kind of segue into the various positions that people can take on this. Uh, Quentin is going to be taking the side of the Green Team, uh, Akshay is going to be taking the side of the Student Council, and I'm just going to be an indecisive moderate. And I wouldn't even say that this is the position of the student council necessarily, more a view that the will of like, I hate to use this rhetoric, but like the will of the governed supersedes, you know, top down edicts about what matters, right? That, you know, what students want should determine what happens. Yeah, particularly elected officials versus non-elected officials. I guess I can start off with some reasons for why, even if like well-intentioned, having a basis, a strong basis in what people actually want, especially in these in largely democratic systems, like I think we conceptualize of our student council, is really important for fostering a lot of good things. I think envir- environmental advocacy is like a laudable goal. Obviously, no one wants the environment to be terrible, for there to be litter everywhere, etc., but the process of, through which you go about achieving that does matter in some respects. So when you start to circumvent, I guess, the democratic institutions of any place, whether it's the government, whether it's just like a school student council, obviously this can lead to some kind of slippery slope because what matters and what is, you know, I guess Im- important enough and really uh alarmist enough to warrant, you know, circumventing what people like actually want can change and can become a slippery slope where 
it ultimately justifies whatever group has the ear of like the government charge, I guess uh, the, the Dean believing that, you know, this should be a thing, even if uh, a lot of other people don't think it's a thing. And so having not really making these exceptions is important because otherwise it can really undermine the sort of dialogue that these institutions thrive upon. And, you know, without it, then if we don't have any voice, then it just leads to like a terrible environment for everyone. And no one wants that. Thanks, Akshay. Yeah, the kind of traditional um, uh, analogy or um, thought experiment used to describe problems like this, collective, collective action problems as they're commonly described is the tragedy of the commons. The basic story behind this particular thought experiment is that if, is that given some collective, um, collectively owned goods like a pasture for animals to uh, feed on, uh, some people will inevitably take an amount to which um, it becomes unsustainable for those commons to be used by the rest of the population. And so that's an important pro- problem, both for, or really generally for understanding the ways in which the environment is used by governments, and so becomes, I think, especially important in understanding if or how those commons should be regulated top-down, bottom-up, whatever. There's also the argument that perhaps um, if the goal or if the policy that one wants to enact is really a good policy or good for the majority, then the majority themselves will recognize it. And if that you can't convince the majority that it is good for him, good for them, perhaps it is not as good as you thought at all. Um, con- like arguments like these date back to Jean-Jacques Rousseau with his concept of the general will that when we exist in a democratic society, uh, we have to do what is good for the people and people can use their own logic and discretion to decide what is good for themselves. So democracy makes the biggest or the most sense in government situations. Right. And once you start taking the elitist position that you know, there are things that people either, like, are too ignorant or stupid to, like, understand, like, the importance of, then it just becomes very antithetical even to the concept of democracy, which is that what people think matters, even if it's different from what you think. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Quentin, would you like to open for some arguments on why maybe this isn't the case? Yeah, so there's one branch of philosophy known as eco-authoritarianism. I think it's generally kind of a a, a niche fringe philosophy that no one seriously believes on. But the gist of it is that that it's a moral requirement of governments to take extremely, extremely authoritarian measures in order to save those, the collective commons, the nature and all of those resources um, and ecosystem services for which it provides. In this, in our kind of analogy here, that would be equivalent to the green team's position where they think that they should have the authority to circumvent the government and implement their own policies kind of with no restrictive oversight. In this instance, we can kind of ignore the fact that like there's a real non-student government who like improves everything. Uh, but in this case, it would be green team like banning plastic, like meatless Mondays and meatless every other day without the approval of the rest of the student body. One other small thing, there's other collective action problems 
to which this kind of philosophy is often applied, particularly in like emergent technology research. So for stuff like AI, um, emerging nanotechnology, whatever, there's also people who think that a kind of like super strong arm government would be required to support that. There's also a compelling temporality argument um, that goes along with this. Like if a problem is so important that if we don't act now, then it could have long-term consequences, then some people say that it is good to circumvent the democratic process because the democratic process takes a long time. It takes a long time to campaign for your ideas. It takes a long time to get people on board, to educate people what your proposal would do. And therefore, for some issues, which um, like have non-reversible consequences, like once we produce plastic, we can't unproduce it, then that is a worthy cause of violating the democratic process, because there's no way you can snap your fingers and reverse environmental catastrophe. I think it kind of goes to yeah. show um, how fundamental some of these like philosophical disagreements are, because the same principle we've just kind of isolated in some of the uh, reasoning of clubs on campus is the same as like, well, it's not the same, not to analogize them, but the same kind of thinking about there are emergencies that are too pressing for us to like wait for sort of democratic governance is logic that was, that is used to justify like a lot of military interventions, for example. And I'm not trying to, again, like analogize those things, but it's interesting to see how these like how basic these philosophical disagreements are and how widely they can be applied from something as like silly as like a plastic ban to something as big as like counterterrorism operations and like the urgency behind them yeah especially in our time now which you know we are confined to homes for the um greater issue of not spreading a disease and furthering a a pandemic. Another very compelling argument for these kinds of actions that Akshay has uh, talked about and, of course, on campus is one that comes from our good old friend Thomas Hobbes. He says that humans are naturally bad, so they need a strong authoritative source um, to govern over them and choose what is right for them. I think this is compelling, particularly when applied to teenagers, when our brains haven't developed as much as they could, and we're known for being impulsive and that sort of thing. Uh, If people don't have a good moral compass and aren't capable of deciding for the greater good, then obviously it makes logical sense for someone who is more qualified uh, and more educated and more grounded in reality to make decisions for I think analogizing teenagers to the state of nature is probably the best explanation of Hobbes I've ever heard. Small quick background on Hobbes, though. Um, uh, Thomas Aquinas Hobbes, I want to say, like 18th or 17th century, I forget. Uh, but his the gist of his philosophy was that, essentially what Sophia said, humans are left without some sort of governance. They will exist in what's called the state of nature, which he describes as being infinitely violent. He just kind of like thinks this because like when you put animals in nature, they like eat each other, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and so then the creation and maintenance of something he called like a sovereign or a leviathan in various texts would be morally necessary in order both to make sure people don't do stuff like that in order to impose kind of moral rule, but also to help guide people towards more ethical actions themselves. And so we should treat the leviathan, the sovereign, whatever, as a sort of higher figure of moral authority. 
And so there's been a lot of pushback against this by various libertarians. Um, <laughs> Anarchists. Well, yeah, I don't think like his philosophy in a vacuum holds up very well because it pretty much justifies the government doing whatever they want whenever they want, which seems eh, seems not seems less than ideal to put it lightly. But there's the but that is kind of like the philosophical basis behind like, a lot of strong government theories, which from which eco authoritarianism eventually. And I think it's, it's important to situate all of these philosophies in their time. Hobbes like theorized this after he had witnessed the brutality of the English Civil War. And he was like, yeah, never again. We're not doing this again. We should, even if we think the government is bad, respect its authority because civil wars suck. And obviously a lot of other nations didn't get the memo, but that is from where his philosophy ultimately grew out of. But I think as, you know, times have changed, people's opinions of this have changed, especially as, you know, I think largely we've come a long way from kind of uh, the 1600s or so within England. And it's, and I think that's fundamentally what a lot of this reveals as well, right? Like a lot of older philosophies don't talk about climate change. And so it's kind of adapting a lot of these older philosophies, right? Democracy, which is you know, all the way like 2000 years ago uh, and even earlier versus like a, a benevolent monarchist sort of, you know, counter ideal, which is also very old and trying to adapt it to the, like these very new challenges. Um, I think that's like a, a very open-ended question for ethics that, you know, it may seem like very old or very repetitive, but indeed there's a lot of like new stuff that we can talk about. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that, too. I think it does come down to, or at least I view these issues through a very, or I think your answer, depending on whether you lean more towards, um, you know, democracy or authoritarianism goes down to kind of one central disagreement between Hobbes and Rousseau, particularly in this instance. Um, Do you think human beings are capable of deciding for the greater good and giving up their selfish nature to make good decisions, or do you not believe that? Like Hobbes was like, humans, if left to their own devices, will be terrible. To analogize this for the common day, you can be like, humans, specifically teenagers, if left to their own devices, will use up so much plastic, they will buy all the cups of noodles, they will just throw them into the trash, they will bring environmental ruin, versus... If you believe like a Rousseauian paradigm, you'd say something like humans, if left to their own devices, they won't do these. They will know that plastics are bad and they will choose environmentally friendly decisions on their own. And kind of depending on your paradigm of how you think human nature works, I think that flows up very well to what actions you think should be taken in in these times and for these situations. I think in the context of our analogy, the former would certainly be more correct because the reason why Green Team is kind of so, um, I don't want to say paranoid, but so insistent on their reforms is because the majority of the time when Harkless students are left to their own devices, they are not, they're bad to their environment, both in terms of like the environment, their environment, but also in terms of like not picking up after themselves, like putting dishes away in the lunch line, et cetera. And I think in general, this is something Hobbes would see as like the perfect example of a state of nature, a commons going misused, unused to the point to which it becomes less than usable for everyone else. Yeah. 
some might argue that if people wanted kind of these restrictions loosened, then it would be their personal responsibility to make better decisions in regards to the environment. Because if people act good on their own in regards to the their plastic production and plastic production, then it doesn't meet or it takes away the need to have any sort of authority imposed. Right. And so I guess circling back to the question we started with before, is it justified to have some sort of circumvention? And I think what, what it's come down to is, do you believe that people will go for it? Like, do you think people will inherently are persuadable to the extent that they will be amenable to reducing plastic consumption? Or is it something that requires, you know, a higher authority to step in? And like a lot of philosophical disagreements, I think it depends on, for your personal view, your personal values, how what you think about other people, what you think about Harker students. And I think it reflects a broader question about, you know, philosophy, that it really is like, as much as it is based on logic, and I think a fair amount of it is based on logic, that that logic ultimately uh, can only be reduced to some sort of basic value question that at the end you can persuade people about, but sometimes you agree to disagree. And I think that that will be apparent for a lot of things we end up discussing. Awesome. Okay. Any final thoughts to wrap this up, guys? If uh, if the show, then that's the show. Eric, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, and we'll come at you next time with, I don't think we actually know yet. Yeah, spicy stuff. If you want to tell us or have suggestions about what we should talk about next time, again, email us at harkerphilosophyclub at gmail.com. Come to our meetings, talk to us. We're totally open to feedback. And we may even bring on other people as guests. We'll see. Yeah. If you want to talk um, on our podcast or, you know, have a debate with one of the mods, then just give us a, you know, email. All right. Well, that's been our podcast. Um, Hope you join us next time. Thank you.